Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. It's great to have you back with us, or perhaps you're listening for the very first time. If it is your first time listening to the show, in a nutshell, our aim is to have you punting at your very best over the spring carnival. My name is Phil Georgios and I'm your host and resident mug punter, and with me is racing analyst and expert tipster for the Herald Sun, Chris Venuccio. Together, we'll talk through our punting strategies, discuss the horses we landed on the weekend, and also the ones we missed and why. This week, we'll look back at the spectacular day at Caulfield, with four Group 1s headlined by the Caulfield Guineas. Springs in the air, Big V. How'd you go on the weekend? I saw you sporting some paintball uh, bruises there. Hello, Phil. Yeah, it was a busy weekend on Saturday and Sunday, and... I was at a Bucks party on the uh, during the Caulfield Guineas meet, so I didn't get to watch too many races. I tried to catch a few here and there, but I spent half the the first half of the program getting uh, getting shot at with a few paintballs <laughs> and got a few bruises on the on the shoulders to as evidence. So yeah. I have no doubt you caught up with the races, though, Big V. Oh yeah, Sunday night I finally got to watch the replays and catch up on everything, but you know I still managed to get some of the results later on the day, but. I, I did see that you were at the track and you and some members of our punters club were cleaning up as well. Uh, look, it was an absolute ripping day at the Caulfield Racetrack. Um, perfect weather, as you hope for in spring. Um, a track that was just playing a treat. And uh, every mug punter's dream, a free $20 bet on arrival I received. So I was having a great time live tweeting from our Twitter handle, at Should Have Backed It. Nice little plug there. Um, and yeah, just had a great day on the punt. And I know you guys at the track had a... a big day towards the end or a big finish to the day and and it was starting to look well for me it was starting to look like a nearly day you know particularly with alligator blood getting nabbed on the line and I thought you know it's just going to be a few a few misses today but you know hit back with the inevitable up in Sydney and trekking as well in the last that was a a big result but we're going to talk about trekking later on in the podcast. Yeah, look, Big V, I was pretty nervous, I'll be honest, early. Things weren't going my way. A few of my strategies uh, weren't rolling out the way I'd hoped they would. But as you say, yeah, a, a late rush with uh, trekking into the inevitable and a nice little one at Eagle Farm too um, that didn't uh, hurt right at the end there. So had a great day on the punt and had a great day out at Caulfield. Um, we'll be going back this week as well, so looking forward to another great day out there. Uh, we'll move start along, I guess, with our at our shoulda backed it file, which is our the name of our podcast and the reason we're here. We want to look back at some of those horses. Perhaps I'm I'm guessing we're going to look pretty early in the day from Caulfield. Uh, some of those ones we missed and sort of should have backed, I guess, in hindsight. What was yours, Big V? I think at the start of the program it was Rocks the Castle. I mean, this has just been you know excellent placement, you know, by the trainer. You know, only a couple of starts ago it was. Just got beat by a length to Age of Chivalry. And Age of Chivalry's gone on and run well in some Group 1s. And Roxa Castle is still running in that listed grade, benchmark grade, and has won three out of his last four. And with Waging War coming out and running in the Turak, you know, this really made the task for Roxa Castle a lot easier. And he's still got a decent price, 340 in the end, controlled the speed. I don't think 1,400 metres is his best distance, but he's been able to you know, control the tempo in most of those wins that he's had which has helped him see out the the distance and same again controlled the speed one good price yeah they came for a renewal uh what do you think the reasoning behind that was and do you, do you think he would have changed his strategy or were you with renewal as well no i actually had waging war on top and i had roxa castle as my second pick and i just thought 
I've already invested in other races later in the day. I'll give that one a miss, but um, I think I had Renewal, you know, maybe my third or fourth pick. That's with Waging War in the race. I didn't have a, a knock on the horse. I just thought Rocks the Castle and Waging War were the, the two better horses. That's fair, and it's actually probably I should have backed it for myself as well. Probably made similar errors to you in hindsight and, and did mention it also at, on, on, on the day via our Twitter handle. So definitely Rocks the Castle, very consistent horse, and I guess one that we both missed and I suspect quite a few punters missed. Uh, the one for me on the day, though, the one that's sort of hurting a little bit a couple of days later is the chosen one. Uh, after Steel Prince uh, went out just before the race, you might not have seen that on the day, but it was in the barriers and, and got a bit fractious in the barriers there and was pulled out late. I made a late little run to jump on uh, the Prince of Aaron. Um, even though I had selected it as my third tip, I actually had the chosen one as my second top pick. So, um, well, <laughs> well, so I wasn't disappointed with the run of Prince and Aaron, and I'm sure we'll touch on that further as we head towards uh, other discussions later on. Um, for me, the lesson was if you've done your form, you need to trust the process. So I made a last-ditched effort to change my tip and, and, and jumped on a horse that I didn't rate above uh, the eventual winner. So kicking myself a little bit for not, for not you know, sticking with my original plans and, and, and backing the chosen one, particularly once after Steel Prince came out. Yeah, it was a race that I wasn't too sure what to make of it because I'm not very good at reading the international form but i mean i mean you 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 picked the horse around second so you didn't you know lose too much there i mean you nearly got up and i think prince of aaron being you know just sort of off that it was a fast tempo and that maybe might have told a little bit in the end and that and i think that's why the chosen one got up but i can tell you i was counting my cash on the turn I yeah, thought it was uh, looking well, about the goods. I was the same thing with alligator blood, same scenario <laughs> as you asked with. Um, but I think, um, yeah, Prince of Aaron, its form coming into this race just looked ordinary overseas. But he comes to Australia and he just seems to, to thrive here or find a, another gear. I think he's one to follow out of this race. And I'd be looking at him for maybe the Mooney Valley Cup or the Hotham Handicap. And I'm surprised he's... I don't know how the order of entry works for the Melbourne Cup, but for a horse that ran third in the race last year, I'm surprised he's so low down the order again. Yeah, well, I think he's currently 38th in the order and only three haven't um, accepted um, as part of that. So at the moment, not getting a run, which, as you say, is quite a big surprise for a horse that hasn't finished worse than third in its Australian um, campaigns. Obviously has that poorer form internationally, but again, in, in high-quality races. So, look, I hope personally it does make it into the race because I think it'll be, like it was last year, very competitive. Mm. And uh, his performance was similar to what he was doing last year in Australia, and at least he's, he showed last year that he can back up and he can, you know, he can have a few runs where some of these internationals, they just, they're only here for that one run and they can only produce that one big performance. So we've seen with him that he can back up and still perform at a high level. How's the Red Cadeau feel about it, just the way it relifts when it's in, uh, when, when it's in Australia? So um, we'll, look, we'll be able to track that as we move forward, as we look in, towards the Melbourne Cup in a, in a few weeks' time and the field is settled. Uh, we'll move now on to our Should Have Sacked It file. So um, this is a horse that probably uh, we, we got on that we probably shouldn't have in hindsight or there was reasons that we shouldn't have been on it 
maybe based on price or, or other reasons. What was yours for the weekend, Big V? Well, while I was paintballing, getting <laughs> absolutely destroyed, I had a... Yeah, maybe that was you sort of sacked it? No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what, yeah. Well, I reckon. Uh, don't go out in the field, you know, when you only got, you know, half your ammo in the paintball because that's, that's when I got, really got pummeled is when I was reloading and that's when I got attacked. So Well, there you go. There's paintball tips here. on the Shoulda Backed It podcast. Make sure here. you load up before the... Before the uh, the activity starts, but I thought your tip was going to be um, don't don't watch the races on your phone while you're trying to paintball. Yeah, but... no, that's not a good idea, and, uh, <laughs> and wear a box as well. <laughs> um, but while that was happening, I had an an all up going loving Gabby into Flit. So as soon as I finished up, got to the phone, checked the results. Flit got up, loving Gabby got beat. But um, even though I thought she was entitled to be favourite, and I did have her on. Top, I was I was actually surprised that she was you know that heavily back. She was red figures in the end. I think dollar eighty was her starting price, and the ratings that I did get for her um, prior or get for that race prior was her and California Zimble were a lot closer in the ratings, but they were so far apart in the in the market. So California Zimble's just beaten Loving Gabby fair and square and. In a limited field, one paying one's paying a dollar eighty, and the other's paying four dollars. And I think I was a bit too quick to dismiss California Zimble, given she's coming out of a benchmark race, and Loving Gabby's coming out of a group race. So I think the lesson there is that you know if they're performing, if they're producing the ratings and the times, it doesn't matter what class of race they're in. And I just didn't look at California Zimble as closely as I should have. So California Zimble almost sounds like another should have backed it for the weekend. And similar lines to Hawkbury on her last week where it was coming out of a race probably not to the same calibre as its opponents, but it managed to get the job done and obviously is a, a quality horse the way it's streaked away from the field. Uh, I actually had that same um, all-up bet, just um, just, just <laughs> to lean hard. I didn't, didn't realise you were on that one as well. Obviously didn't pay off. Um, the, look, but my uh, should have sacked it for the weekend was Dallasan. Obviously, a very high quality horse with a fantastic record, but it was taking on a little bit of history trying to win the race, having drawn the car park. And given you know started at three three fifty, probably didn't really stack up in hindsight as a good bet. Uh, you know, it did actually race pretty well, all things considered. But I think if I was looking at that race again, having seen where it was drawn and the challenges of winning that race, I probably would have looked a little bit wider and tried to find some value. Well, I had it between Delisane and Alligator Blood, and I think the barriers made me go towards Alligator Blood because he's able to uh, jump, he's got good gate speed, and he can go forward from you know any barrier he's drawn, whereas Delisane can be a little bit tardy, and maybe you're not too sure if he was, might be able to keep up or if he had to overwork, overdo it. And that might have been telling in the end. Still question mark whether he gets 1,600. I'd like to see him again at that distance before making a, a firm judgment on it. But I, I, I was expecting Dallasan to get out to $4 and Alligator Blood coming into maybe that 460 price. That never eventuated. And I'm still happy I was on Alligator Blood. I still think it should have won. It's... If, I think it still thinks it did win. Yeah, I was counting the money at, 100, <laughs> at the 100 metre mark. And I think if Ryan Maloney, and I'm not criticising the ride because I think the ride was still... Um, Ryan Maloney did everything that he could to win on Alligator Blood. But I think if he was 
maybe two, three off the fence. That's the difference between him getting beat by a nose and winning by a nose. I think that inside rail was the slowest part of the track, whereas where you look at where Super Seth ran, if you watch the replays of the Caulfield races, you know most of the winners on the day came from that that strip where Super Seth came in. Well, I can tell you, I was at about the 50-metre mark, 50-metre uh, line um, for that particular race, and when Super Seth flew past me, I still gave it absolutely no chance of running down Alligator Blood, so it was a, a fantastic last 200. I, I don't know the sectional necessarily, but uh, obviously a, a fantastic effort, and yeah, look, really there was a, a nose in it. Could have gone either way. And I know that Ryan Maloney did get criticised for his ride on, on the Alligator, but I just think he just got beat by a, an even better ride by Mark Zara, who who knows the track so well and found that fast lane, and that's where the result um, happened. And just unfortunate. Could have made a good day great, but you know we move on. And yeah. <laughs> oh, there'll be plenty of those stories. I, I'm 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 sure a couple uh, gamblers in the uh, in the flip race probably have a few similar stories miss old mantra etc yeah well so i reckon he's racing well seeing that you mentioned flit i think if you switched positions of flit and missile mantra i think flit wins by two three lengths or if missile mantra follows flit on the rail i think flit wins easily yeah that's an interesting point and not one I'd really considered at the track on the day that the inside wasn't the place to be i thought it was, the, the track ran really fairly but again, I guess your point is quite valid there with a few of those horses that were on the inside getting run down late. But again, we're, we're talking millimetres in both of those occasions. Yeah. So um, yeah, whether whether or not that was a big factor is yeah. a little bit of a question mark for me. Well, when you look at the last race with Trekking, you can see that he's taken an inside run, but he's come off a little bit off the rail. So he's, you know, you know three, four horses off the rail and, and he's still found enough to win, whereas I, I always thought he was in a dicey position in the run. And I think maybe that's why he might have drifted out in price, was that he had that inside draw, and that's probably where maybe some punters maybe shied away from him. Yeah, I did want to talk about this as one of sort of my talking points from a gambling perspective from the weekend. Trekking looked the clear top pick for me, and I would have been happy to take $253 trekking. We did get $4 in the end as its starting price, and I think that was an absolute gift. Why, why do you think it did sort of get out to that that spec? Yeah, I think, as I mentioned before, I think maybe barrier two and the way the track was playing with the rail being a little bit slower, I think punters may not have been expecting him to maybe get out wide and find that fast lane in the middle of the track. But I did, I mean, in saying I'll... I was expecting him to at least ease out. I thought 260 was, you know, rock bottom price for, you know, a decent field. You know, you had Bonds away in in the race and his run in the Moya was every bit as good as trekking. And I didn't, but I thought $4 was unlikely. I mean, when it gets out to that sort of price, I mean, there are drifts and then there are horses that drift because they're on the nose. At $4, I was getting a little bit, nervous because you know sometimes the market is right in this instance but fortunately fortunately for us you know they got it wrong i didn't have a chance to get nervous i was running across the uh across the betting ring after watching the inevitable get up and uh didn't even get a chance to uh, get nervous about the price i was already on it so i was very happy to be um and from about the 200 especially happy to be so 
yeah, I think trekking now moves into the Everest. Um, probably one of the outsiders in that race. We, we, we touched on the Everest last week. With a, with, um, are you still pretty comfortable with the three that you selected last week, being Arcadia Queen, Priorata, and uh, our favourite, Santa Ana Lane? Yes, pretty much, but I've narrowed, narrowed it down to Santa Ana Lane and Arcadia Queen. Okay. I don't know why I'm ruling out Parada. I think maybe because we might have a, a firm track. If we had a, a heavy track, I think Parada is clear top pick. Although I think Parada can still run well and you know, even maybe even win the race. But I've narrowed it down to Santa and Acadia Queen. And Santa's you know, $4.60. You know, that's still a good price. Maybe it might get out to $5. I don't think it'll get out any further. I think, I think you know, the punters are... No, switched on with the Santa now. I think they're pretty savvy, and uh, yeah, I think five dollars would be a luxury at this stage. But we'll, I guess we'll see on the day. And with these big races with big pools, you, you do often get great value around some of the the runners, yeah. um, the value runners anyway. And given that obviously it's a great field as well, the Everest, there'll be a lot of favourites amongst punters within that field. So yeah. I think any any horse you get on, you're going to get pretty good odds about yeah. on the weekend. Yeah, and I think the reason why he's favourite now is. With Nature Strip coming into the field, and you got Red Zell, you know, you got that injection of speed, and I think even Elise can be on speed as well to put on a bit of the pressure, and so that's you know opens it up really uh, wide now for Santa and Elaine. But again, if they go too fast up front and Santa's too far back, that will count against him. He's got to be right in that zone where he can make up that ground but I think with that extra pace in this race that really does assist him and I think that's why he's favourite yeah no absolutely I absolutely agree with that Big V and uh, look I'm, I'm pretty excited about that we've got a Caulfield Cup day with the Everest I think it's, it's going to be a great spectacle and a great thing for racing on the weekend so uh, we'll see how the markets play out. I know the barrier draw is, is later today, so I'm um, looking forward to seeing it, what that brings up. But I think, yeah, Santa Ana Lane, a horse that will settle back, can pretty much draw any barrier and, and put itself in a good position in the running. So uh, the Caulfield Stakes, how did you how did you see that race? And, and how do you think that's going to impact our uh, Cox Plate market? Are you happy to stick with horses like Avilius or have you jumped off them now? What's your sort of thoughts on after seeing that race run? I'm not... Jumping off Avilius, I think if you were keen on him before the weekend, don't drop off. The race wasn't run to suit him. Another soft tempo um, race that Avilius did find and he had no chance from the back of the field. So it was a good performance. I suppose that what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of real soft tempo races, a lot of horses having these like pre-grand final type runs where they're not getting any real benefit and that's the concern that I have with Mystic Journey as well. Now we saw with, um, let's go back to Flit on Saturday, Flit only just won, but you look at the start before, Flit had a, a real soft lead-up run and I think maybe that lack of fitness might have just told a little bit in the end, where, whether, whereas if she had a, had a, a big run, she might have won the 1,000 guineas by a lot more. So going to the Cox Plate now, you look at Mystic Journey, if she had got a hard run in the Turnbull, you know, that might have benefited her more in the Cox Plate. And that might be the same with this Caulfield Stakes field. You know, whether if there's a lot of pressure in the Cox Plate, can they handle it? I think Avilius can. I think that's what he needs and what he wants, a bit more tempo in the race. 
But I, I don't think we've seen anything that's really stamped themselves as the one to beat. And that's why I, I, I'm thinking that this Japanese horse might just come out and just smash them. Have you had a look at that the horse? I haven't had a chance to uh, uh, review that, but I have heard a few whispers that if it comes at its best, it's likely to do pretty well uh, on the day on the Cox Plate. Currently around the $4.50 mark, so obviously no one's missed it yet. But uh, have you had a chance to review its form? Um, not in great detail, but I'm having a quick look at its form before. And, I mean, it's one last start by three lengths, and... There was a race here, I think it's in Hong Kong, um, it's Sha Tin back in December, and if I find the race here, it ran second in the Hong Kong vase, mm. and you look at some of the other horses that we're familiar with, you know, Rostropovich finished seven lengths behind, Prince of Aaron was seven and a half lengths behind, Liz Grisseau, Latrobe, nine lengths behind, Red Verdon, 22 lengths and Mirage Dancer, which is you know in the market for the Caulfield Cup, was 40 lengths behind Liz Grisseau. I think those last two horses, there might have been some issues with them, but we're familiar with some of these horses that's that's been running some of these internationals that ran last year, and they were no match for this Japanese horse. And and just going by that, you know, this could be a real serious horse and might be just a, another level. So if you were looking at the fields now, that's the one that sort of stands out for you as it well. It does then. stand out. I do have a soft spot a soft spot for Mystic Journey, so maybe I might have something on her and then maybe something on the Japanese horse. On what, about Flip? what about Flip? Do you think it's a chance Well, Flip to get is, a run, 47.5 kilos? Well, fillies do run well in the Cox Plate in recent years, and... Although she's $15, I reckon her right price might be more, $51. And the reason I say this is she's had two soft runs in her past two starts, and I think they'll count against her in a Cox Plate if there's pressure. Mm. I think she's got one big run in her. I think the Cox Plate might be a waste. Something like the Empire Rose, 1600 Flemington, might be perfect for her. I mean, did did a three-year-old win that last year or was that the year before Amphitrite yeah you could be right there actually Big V I, I, I trust your memory on that more than mine but uh, yeah look I, I think probably there's other races for Flit and it's likely to not go to the Cox Plate but I think, look, the I think it always adds a little bit of extra spice when you've got a, your horse in there with yeah. 47 and a half kilos and, and good form obviously yeah. so. well, I think the three year old that might actually make a, uh, an impact would be Castle Vecchio yeah, another three-year-old, but even then, I think maybe even the McKinnon Stakes, a lot of people are talking about for him, that might be a more suitable race. And there was talk he was going to go to the Bondi. I think that's on yep. Derby Day. No, I don't think that's the right race. So, uh, look, I'm not too keen on the three-year-olds this year for the Cox Plate. I'm just going to stick with Liz Grisseau, Mystic Journey, and, you know, I think Avilius could improve. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that field shapes up as well. There's a, a lot of horses in the frame to be a part of that 14-horse field. So um, looking forward to seeing what the decisions are made there and, and getting a final field around the Cox Plate and the Melbourne Cup in the, in the coming week or so. So we'll need, now move on to, and I know this is a favourite to some of our listeners from the first podcast, and the horses to follow. So 
You mentioned last week Bahudakawa, and it is running again this Saturday. So are we still following it? Or yes. you somehow managed to jump off? You've seen a no. bit of track work you didn't like or something? Or? No, I'm all in. I haven't seen any track work for the horse. <laughs> and I'm just going to go by what I saw last start and all in on Bahudakawa. Hopefully he draws a, a decent gate. What, uh, what price are we taking? Well, the all-in price at the moment is four fifty, which is good. I'm I'm glad that no one's decided to pinch that, and I think the depends on who accepts because Fidelia's running on Wednesday at Caulfield. If you get four dollars for Hudakawa, or even if four fifty stays with the final field, I'll be all over that. Angelic Ruler, I'll, I have as the danger, but I think Hudakawa is the one. I'm 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 keen. All right, good to see you stuck to your. Uh... Stuck to your previous week's uh, selection there and haven't jumped off. Um, what about the Caulfield Cup itself? Do you have any thoughts around what might be a good bet in that race? It's a very open field this year. It often is. Uh, I think $7 a field at the moment. Is there anything that stands out for you as value? I think, well, Finch is the obvious. I think that's the best local hope. Maybe the, the Japanese horse, uh, Murder Glace, that might be the one. You know, it's... It's five. It's one. It's last five, and I think we saw with best solution last year. Last year's Caulfield Cup winner. I think it had three wins in a row prior to the Caulfield Cup, and you just think, you know, there could be any race around the world that they could target to keep that winning streak going, and they've chosen the Caulfield Cup. So maybe you know that's my thinking. But it, it's it's a hard race. A lot of internationals. A lot of international form and. It's uh, not a race that I'm overly keen to get involved in. but Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit like the Melbourne Cup these days, isn't it? You might as well get your dartboard out yeah. sometimes. It's just hard to yeah. draw all the form lines together and come up with something sensible. Yeah. I've like, had a look at some replays for the um, Murder Glace, and its pattern of running does suggest that he might run out 2,400. The furthest he's gone has been 22, but the way he's just been winning those races and coming from you know just off midfield running on running on strongly you know if we get a, a strong tempo strong race i think he can just keep on going and that's the one that i'm my early my my early selection for the cup all right no no that sounds good um i'll, I'll probably be following you on that one big v because um i've had a look and at the moment cannot work it out so um, we've actually got another race meeting at Caulfield, of course, on Wednesday, today being Tuesday, um, Blue Sapphire. Is there a couple of horses you like there? Personally, Accelerates. It's a favourite of ours again. We do tend to stick together with a few of our favourite horses after watching it uh, up on um, Magic Millions Day and the Gold Coast earlier this year, storm down the outside and win. But I think at $4.20 offers some great value tomorrow. Yeah, now. that's, a, in, yeah, that's a great price. I was expecting a lot shorter than that. I was... I wouldn't have been surprised if it was two sixty, two eighty. So four twenty is a is a great price. And with that Caulfield meeting on Wednesday, the early part of the card really doesn't interest me too much. I think later in the program, some good races. Exhilarates is one. I put Zustol as my best bet, and I'm and I'm tipping Rondanella to beat Fidelia in the last. Oh, we're jumping off Fidelia again. Is it the price, or you just think it's not 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 the horse to win? I think uh, positioning running. Fidelia's drawn barrier 13. We'll get back. We'll be last again. And I think at $2.90, big risk. Rondanella might be more on speed. I think getting $3. Maybe might get better for her. And her run behind Princess Jenny was pretty good. 
Speaking of value, uh, my value bet for the day would be Order of Command. Uh, Ran pretty well first up at Caulfield, not without setting the world on fire. But second up, $8.50. I think that's a great each-way bet in the, the village stakes. Uh, I ran a really good race, I think, third up in its campaign at Flemington uh, on stakes day last year. And I just think it's a, a, the kind of horse that just at $8.50 it can't be missed. Yeah, it's one at Caulfield a chance. That's the, is that the zoo-style race? It is, yes. Yeah, I think I had order of command, maybe third or fourth pick, So, but I'm not ruling it out. It's okay, mate. It's okay. I'm just looking for a little bit of value for our, our punters and our and our listeners here. But I'm sure both will run well, and I look forward to discussing this yeah. on our next podcast. But other horses to follow from Guinea's Meat. We mentioned Prince of Aran. So if that goes to the Mooney Valley Cup or even the Hotham again, I'll be on it. And the Bostonian. I think trekking running in the Everest really does maybe open up the Matacado for the Bostonian. Although I did see Bivouac is the early favourite for the Matacado, which I'm hearing it's going to run, but I thought the Coolmore Stud Stakes was going to be the target for, for Bivouac. So that would mean backing up. So I'm, I'm hoping the three-year-old doesn't run because I'll be all over... The Bostonian for the Manicato. I tell you what, the Manicato field is shaping up as a ripper. So I'm um, looking but, forward to that race. But a lot of those horses might not run. They might still be in Sydney. You know, a couple of those are running in the Sydney Stakes as well and the Everest. Unlikely they might be backing up. Well, we'll see. We'll see after the weekend if they choose to. But yeah, you could be right there. Maybe I'm getting a bit excited a bit too early, Big V. But uh, I am looking forward to that two-day carnival at Moody Valley on the on the Friday night and the Saturday. But we'll be at the Cox Plate. We'll be there. We'll be there. Probably live tweeting again, so stay tuned. Uh, speaking of places that I love to go, uh, I didn't get there this year. Very disappointed. But my uh, comments around the bush this week will be in regards to Cranbourne's Great Cranbourne Cup meeting, which occurred on Sunday. Unfortunately, didn't get to see much of it and missed strategic fill I think in the fourth race which was a which was shattering in hindsight given it paid eight dollars um very unstrategic of me but I did get on Dr Drill in the Cranbourne Cup that was a great win uh it stormed around the outside and and was very much home with about 300 to go so I was on about the 15th hole of the golf course at that point and uh you could hear me celebrate with my uh with my mate uh as it as it as it hit the line Good to see you got your priorities right on the, the Sunday. I it was a beautiful hope, day. I hope you were hitting them straight. I, I certainly was not, no. Um, but I do like... At least your putting was a lot better on the Saturday. <laughs> That's true. I, I do like those the Cranbourne Cup, though, and I do like any sort of those, those country cups, um, being a boy from the bush. So, look, get out there if you've got a chance. If you don't get a chance to go to some of the, uh, the, the bigger race meetings, the Cranbourne Cup and other... Provincial cups can be a great day out, and if you don't like wearing a suit and tie, you can get away with a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, which I also love. Look, thank you uh, to everyone. That's the end of our second podcast. I just wanted to send a special thanks out to anyone that commented on our first episode. We've had a rush of feedback. The biggest feedback, though, Big V, and this is all around you, mate. There's a lot of people just sitting wondering who you tip on a week, and they they want to know who are Big V's tips. And I, look, where, where can they find your tips, Big V? If they're on a Saturday morning, they're about to trot down to the TAV. We want to know what you're on. Well, you can get the, the Herald Sun Fridays, Saturdays. The tips will be in there. You can even get the, the tips on the Herald Sun website. 
you go to the racing section. So they're there as well. And, you know, hopefully we can find a few winners. I hope I can help people find winners. And, you know, the, the one thing is you can't tip every winner, but, you know, you've got to make sure you're on the right ones. And, you know, my best bets have been going well the last couple of weeks, and I hope it continues for a few more. So that's the Herald Sun, Chris Venuccio. I think you're in the middle of the tipsters there. I always pick up my Herald Sun to uh, to take a look and make sure I'm on on par with you when I'm out going to a big race meeting. So I'm sure our listeners will do that from now on. Uh, we've also had a, a few requests to add jingles to our podcast. I can assure you that is on our to-do list. Um, yes, hopefully, hopefully it's by happening. next week. If you do have any suggestions or you can play a keyboard or you know someone that uh, can do us a jingle, please feel free to contact the show at shouldabacted at gmail.com or please get in touch with us on our Twitter handle at shouldabacted. And if you do like the podcast, um, we're now on Spotify, slowly getting towards getting onto iTunes as well and uh, you may be listening to us on SoundCloud, please follow us or subscribe and write us a review if you, if you do like the show. Um, if you don't, perhaps don't bother. <laughs> Maybe write to shouldhaveacted at gmail.com and let us know what we can improve. But good luck, everyone, on the punt again. Hopefully we've uh, been able to help you out and talk through our strategies and good luck on the punt this week. Cheers.